My name is Adam and I'm on the staff here at Life Central, but I'm also part of the youth team. Uh, some fun facts. My favourite flavour ice cream is coconut, banana or chocolate. Uh, I love food. I love, in fact, I love every type of food bar one type and that is fish. And my most hateful type of fish is salmon. It really, really annoys me, salmon. I just hate it. I don't know why. I just I don't like it. Uh, also, I don't like running, but recently I've started doing the couch to 5k. I feel like I've confessed some stuff to you now and we know each other. So I'm going to confess a little bit more. You know what really gets me angry, gets me annoyed, is when people hold me up or make me late. Now, I'm married to somebody who does that. I love my wife to pieces, but my gosh, I've had to learn with how to deal with that. And my wife, she's also a mental health nurse, and she tells me it's because I like to be in control. And so when things are outside of my control, I get really, really annoyed. Now, you may be thinking I sound like a complete psycho, but do not fear because I'm not alone. Some experts suggest that the average adult gets angry about once a day and annoyed or peeved about three times a day. Now, you may be thinking that sounds low because other anger management experts suggest that adults get angry around about 15 times a day. That's a more realistic average, isn't it? Have you ever been in a car when someone's got angry? Maybe you've heard the term road rage before. Road rage is a serious thing and it's quite a scary thing when cars come up behind you and rage. Maybe you've never experienced that or maybe you've experienced something called hallway rage. Now you'll be sat there thinking, what the heck is hallway rage? Let me just uh, tell you what hallway rage is. Hallway rage is when somebody bumps into you and makes you drop something. And there's that instant reaction inside and you're like, oh man, that guy, or man, that girl. And we blow up, but we don't actually do anything about it. It's just all those emotions inside. Hallway rage is a really, really true thing. Hallway or roadway, I think we can all agree that we've experienced some kind of act of rage or anger. Maybe you're the one who's felt it, but maybe you don't like saying that you get angry. Maybe you like to say, I get frustrated. Like when your sister shrinks your favorite shirt in the wash, you're not mad, you just get frustrated. Like when you get grounded by your stepdad, you're not mad, you're frustrated. When that one kid you know acts like they're superior to basically everybody around you, Hey, you're not angry. You're just frustrated. So frustrated, you can't wait for them to face plant the floor right in front of everybody, right? Why? Because we don't like to think of ourselves as angry. We don't like to do that. We don't like to think that we've got an anger issue. But the truth is, is there actually a big difference between anger and frustration? Is there a difference between road rage and road frustration? The past couple of weeks, we've been in a series about emotions called vibes or the vibe inside. I know it rhymes. I'm like the white, I'm like Ed Sheeran. Here we go. And the truth is, it's a really, really, really good way of describing what our internal emotional environments look like. But we're also talking about keeping those vibes from controlling us. And one of the emotions that shows up for everyone and tries to take over is anger. The thing about anger is it doesn't always look the same. Sometimes it means that People yell at each other. Now, I'm a yeller. I'm going to admit that. I'm a bit of a shouter. For others of us, we can be people who hold our tongue and give people the silent treatment. I hate it when people do that. It, it makes me so vexed when people give me the silent treatment. I can't stand it. 
here's the thing. We do the things we do because it gives us a little bit of power. So when we say the words we say in anger, it gives us power over the conversation. When we withhold our words, it gives us power over the conversation. Now, you might be sat here listening to this and thinking, maybe I do get a little bit angry. Maybe I've got a little bit of an anger issue. But I just want to encourage you by saying this. Jesus felt the same feelings and he felt the same frustrations and anger that you felt. And, you know, God gave you your emotions. So that means that not all anger is bad. And there is some anger that we feel when we see injustices. We see things like certain groups of people are treated unfairly. Racism, sexism, inequality, environmental issues. When we see these things happening in the world that aren't right, it's okay to get angry. Jesus got super angry. When people were mistreated, mistreated, like he was so angry, he got flipping angry, like flipping furniture angry. So it isn't always a bad thing. In fact, sometimes anger is constructive because it moves us towards a position of action. But then there are other times when anger becomes destructive. It moves us towards a place of regret and sadness because we've hurt people. And what are we supposed to do with that? The question I want you to think about tonight is this. What do we do with this feeling? And how do we keep destructive anger from taking over and bossing us around? I think we can all agree that anger, either way, is a powerful emotion. Here's the bottom line. Anger doesn't have to be the boss of you. Why? Because of Jesus. If you forget everything else that I say tonight, please remember that. The anger doesn't have to be the boss of you because of Jesus. And I'm going to explain the reason why. We're going to look at a passage from the book of James, which is in the New Testament. Now, if you don't know what that is, let me just tell you, it's the book of the, it's the Bible. It's in the second part of the Bible. And it's a letter that this guy, James, writes to a bunch of people in Jerusalem. See, James was actually Jesus's brother, his actual earthly brother. And when Jesus was here doing his thing on the earth, James wasn't that bothered. I mean, it was his brother for crying out loud. He grew up with him. He saw him do these things. He wasn't that bothered. But when Jesus raised from the dead and he did the things he did afterwards, James started taking notice and he started following Jesus. In fact, he was one of the early leaders in the early church. And James writes a lot of wisdom down in his letters to these guys in Jerusalem. And we're going to look at a small snippet of this. It sounds simple. But it's really, really crucial for us to change the way that we look at the world and look at each other. See, James starts by saying this. Who is wise and understanding among you? We hear the word wise a lot and we may, may not really focus on what it means. Wise is different from smart. You see, you can be born smart. You can be born intelligent. But wisdom is earned. You're, you are wise. You take what you've experienced and you learn from it i think it's more like street smarts it's like common sense we kind of learn as we progress and we do all these things you understand that life is connected and that actions have consequences and james is asking how many of you get that if you do get it here's what i have to say next and he continues by saying this let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom so James is making this really important connection here. He's saying that wise people are also humble. And what does humility look like? Well, it starts with a proper view of yourself. You see, if you're a humble person, you don't see yourself as the exception to the rule. You don't think the world revolves around your desires. 
You don't think that you deserve better treatment than anyone else. And you don't see everyone else as a means to an end to what you want. James is saying that wise people don't do these things. Wise people are humble people. Now, I really want to be clear here because I messed this up in my head when I was younger. Humility is not the same as humiliation. You do not have to put yourself down or make yourself look less than you are. But true humility, now that is something special. There's this guy called Rick Warren. He's an author and a pastor. And he said this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Humility is thinking more of others. You see, they're not the same thing. And humiliation doesn't serve anyone, but humility serves everyone. James goes on in his letter and he says this, but if you harbour bitter, bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Harbour basically means this, to let things stick around, to hang around. And if you let that stuff stay with you, that makes you think you're better or more important. Hey, look, don't deny it. Call it out. Don't pretend to be fine about that sort of stuff. And James goes on to say this, for where you have envy or selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let's say it this way. When pride or arrogance gets lodged inside of us, it comes out in our actions. And we don't particularly like proud or arrogant people. Not exactly great news, is it? But he doesn't leave us hanging. A couple of verses later, he says this. This is a great question. What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? What causes disruptions amongst you guys? And I bet I could stop there right there and everyone would have an answer to that. Like my kids, the dog, uh, my friends, my mum, my dad, the homework I have, teachers, school, college. We'd all have answers to that. And we all have answers that are outside of us that causes us problems. But James isn't buying it. And he sort of suggests this. He says, actually, don't they come from inside your desires that battle within you? Aren't the problems actually within you? In other words, your mum may drive you crazy. Your little, bro your little brother might be annoying. But what causes the arguments? It's not them. It's you. Or maybe specifically what's in you. And that is a big deal. Because as long as we think that the problem is someone else's problem, their behaviour, their character, their mistake will never deal with the anger problem inside of us. You see, we think the problem is people not doing things our way. But James is saying the problem is that we want to get our own way. But as long as we think the problem is outside of us, we'll never take care of what, the, what is actually going on inside of us. Now, you may disagree because you think the things that you want are noble and good and the things that have to be earned, like, Freedom and respect and trust and responsibility. And when you don't get these things, you feel like you've earned, it annoys you and it doesn't seem fair. And, if, and you're right. But James isn't talking about what's fair, is he? He's saying that if you want to get to the root of your frustration and anger, you need to be willing to admit that the problem is in you. The problem is when you don't get what you think you deserve. Now, I'm kind of wrapping this up now, so I really want you to sort of listen to what I'm going to say now. What do we do with all this stuff? Well, we have to flip the script. We have to change the script around. So when other people aren't acting like they, we think they should or we aren't getting what we think we deserve, we have to change what we say. Instead of saying, oh, he's being selfish. She's being annoying. 
they're being rude. Instead, why don't you say this? You know what? The problem is actually, I'm not really getting what I want out of this. And I understand that sounds pretty pants, but I'm telling you, you start doing this because relationships will change. Your frustration levels will change. Your anger changes. Why? Because you're no longer looking to other people as a reason for the way that you feel. As long as you are looking to other people as the reason for feeling the way you do, those other people, this is the secret. This is the key. If you're looking at other people, they have control over you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like it when other people have control over me, especially my emotions. So actually, when I start admitting that the problem is that I'm not getting what I want, I get control back. And isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we all want when it comes to our emotions and our lives? We want control. See, James is making the point that as long as you think the problem is outside of you and it's someone else's fault, you will feel like you get a free pass to back the way you want. Why? Because you can say this. You can say, I didn't do anything wrong. You can avoid ownership and responsibility. You can say, well, they made me do it. They made me act this way. No. James is saying, no way. If you did that or you said that thing, you did the thing that was hurtful, angry, mean. It was because it was in you. And it was in you to say it or do it. And that's a really difficult pill to swallow. Of course, you'll be sat there going, well, hang on a minute, Adam. There are circumstances that sit outside of this when people are bullying me or are horrible to me or getting on top of me. And do you know what? You're right. There are circumstances that should upset you, like when you're being treated unfairly by a sibling or a parent or friend. But hey, imagine this. In the middle of all that, of you feeling angry and frustrated, you were able to say this. Hmm, part of the problem, not the whole problem, but part of it is that I'm not getting what I want. And just be willing and brave enough to say that out loud helps you take control of your anger. Instead of you being controlled by anger, you start controlling the anger. You start owning what you can in the problem. It keeps your anger and your frustration from driving you and from owning you. And no matter who you are, that's a good thing. So here's, here's the thing, based on what we've talked about today, what I've said today, here's my question for you. What is your relationship with anger? Do you control it or does it control you? And if I was to ask your friends, your parents, People who knew you the best, what would they say? Because, guys, I want to admit something to you today. I had a problem with anger for a long time. I allowed it to control me. I allowed it to dictate what, how I felt and how I reacted to people. And do you know what? It didn't just hurt those around me that I was angry with. The most person who got hurt the most was me. I got myself so hurt as a result of allowing anger to control me. I got myself in so much trouble as a result of that. And it's taken me years to deal with that. So my advice to you this tonight is to not let anger control you. Because if anger is controlling you in any sort of relationship or any part of your life, then it is controlling you too much. And the only way to beat it is with humility. And humility says, it's not all my fault, but I'm going to own my part of it. And my part of it has to do with me not getting my way and the thing that I want. So, you know, when you feel anger, frustration, whatever you want to call it, rising up, and we know how it feels. When you're in disagreement with somebody, ask yourself, what am I not getting that is causing me to feel like this? Because even if you aren't the whole problem, humility means recognising that you are 
part of the problem. And when you learn how to recognize that, that emotion of anger begins to lessen its control over you. So here's the thing. It's good news. If you're a Jesus follower like I am, we follow someone who has led this way. Jesus said no to get in his way. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote about this very thing. He talked about Jesus. He said this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God certain to be used to his own advantage. Jesus had every reason, every right to get his own way, but he didn't. He gave up what he wanted so that he could know how valuable we are in God's sight. And then Paul actually writes just a bit before that. He says about Jesus and his humility. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being with Jesus, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded and having that same love. Did you catch that bit? He tells us to be like Jesus. He tells us what Jesus is like. And guess what? He's humble. He had every reason not to be. I mean, Jesus was literally God. He was walking around and he was God. He knew everything. Jesus surrendered that. He surrendered his way when he could have easily fought for it. And when we follow the example of Jesus, that's how we keep anger under control. And like I said, the bottom line is this. Because of Jesus, anger doesn't have to be the boss of you. You know, I really believe and I know that all the other crew leaders believe that following Jesus will make your life better. I really do because when you follow him, he will nudge you away from the self-centeredness, the arrogance and the pride and move you towards humility and love for others. And as that happens, you will find that the anger no longer has the hold on you that it did before. And, the, and less powerful anger is a win for everybody in the world right now. Listen, I'm about to wrap up. I've got 10 seconds left. I want you to begin, as I, as I just finished, I want you to begin imagining what life would look like if the anger that you had didn't control you or any of us. None of us will get this right completely all the time. I'm 32 and I'm still learning. But as you discuss this with your crew, please process this in, in a way that can take some steps in the right direction. You see, in your personal if you're in your personal circumstances, what would it look like for you to choose wisdom and humility over anger?